Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore a Geek, episode 113. I'm Andrew. I'm Becky. 113, like, still technically bad luck, or is it only 13? Is the 13th of everything? Is bad luck? Maybe it's multiples of 13. 13 is my lucky number, so... Damn! Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so today we are going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 out in theaters just this weekend. First, I've got a quick news story related to Guardians of the Galaxy. That is that comic artist and creator of Rocket Raccoon, Bill Mantlo, because of the money he has gotten from Guardians of the Galaxy and from Marvel, is now finally able to move out of a nursing home and into home care. So, Mantlo, back in the 90s, was in a fairly serious accident. He was rollerblading in Manhattan, was hit by a car, ended up in a... Very com- 90s at the time. Yeah, very 90s. <laughs> he actually apparently was, like, heavy into rollerblading, like, competitively, doing races and stuff oh, for was, charity and stuff. I was referring to being hit by a car in New York. Well, there's that, too. <laughs> but Mantlo, was, he was in a coma for several days afterwards, has never really fully recovered. He had come very close, I think, in the late 90s, early 2000s, and then they had tried... A different treatment and it set him back almost all the way to the beginning what would that have been do you know i have read it before i don't have it available to me at the time i if i if i did a little bit of research i can probably figure it out i, I bet you it's like crystals or fish oil no it was an actual site it was an actual medicine oh, but okay. i want to say it was like in fda trials and he ended up going into seizures or something because of it it was not good yeah in i fact. feel like crystals would have no effect, no positive or negative effect. That's just me and my skeptic self. It probably wouldn't. That's why I'm thinking it would have like, oh, you're doing such good progress. We'll take you off your medicine. And here's uh, whale cheese. And then it just reverses everything you were going for. It's like yeah. when Steve McQueen tried to use like Mexican medicine to cure his cancer in the 80s. Ooh, no. Or Doug Henning tried to meditate his can- his liver cancer away. Or Steve Jobs or... Or, you know, a whole list of them. Do you know how old he is? Not that old. Maybe 60s. He was an artist in the 70s and in the 80s. The reason why I was asked is I actually looked up some of like the original characters and when the characters in, in this movie made their appearances in the comics and I found out that Rocket first appeared in like an issue of Hulk and that looked like it was from the 70s or so. Yeah, it was from the 70s. The only other character that's older of the current Guardians is Groot. Groot actually predates the Marvel Age of Comics. He's one of the old Jack Kirby monster comics from before Fantastic Four. And apparently he had a full vocabulary. Yes, he did. He kind of reminded me of Treebeard back then. A little bit, but angrier. But then he went through a crystal treatment and his vocabulary got set back. Exactly why you don't go to Sedona, ever. (laughs) I spent almost every summer there from third grade to the age of 18. It explains everything. (laughs) My folks have a house up there. I don't know if they still live there, but for a long time, there was actually a cult that was lived just around the corner from us. Your friendly neighborhood cult. Yeah, they look, they made great neighbors. I'm sure. They had a beautiful garden. They were super friendly. They just thought aliens were going to land within three miles of a certain rock formation. And they wanted to be there when they took everyone up with them. Makes sense. They wanted to get that viral snap in there for YouTube. Yeah. All right. So let's talk Guardians of the Galaxy uh, volume two proper here. I'm going to start with Dude only because, you know, you didn't see volume one because it's really, you knew it wasn't going to be your cup of tea. I really tried. I didn't have time to do it. I tried to set some time for for this week to see if I can sit down and actually watch it. I couldn't make it happen. So what did you think of Guardians 2? It was okay, but it it really just isn't my kind of movie. I feel like the first one probably would be a little bit better just based on what I read about it because I kind of thought the plot of this one was a little lackluster. That you have a megalomaniacal planet slash Kurt Russell that wants to make the whole universe him but he needs his boy to help him out and that was kind of it 
And his and, name is so subtle. Yeah, Ego. Ego. <laughs> Who's been around a while. This was like one of those Jack Kirby, Stan Lee creations. Yeah, Ego so the Living like, Planet. But it was more like Ego the Kurt Russell. We didn't get much in the way of <laughs> the, the planet. planet stuff. Yeah. It's still better than Galactus was from Fantastic Four, The Rise of the Silver Surfer. Right, where he was just a cloud. Yes. Did it also have Lawrence Fishburne's voice or not? I don't remember. Or it was just a cloud. I think the surfer uh, had Fishburne's voice. Okay. But other than that, I I guess it's just that brand of humor doesn't do anything for me. Because I, I actually tried to count the times I smiled or laughed. I, I wrote this down. Five smiles and two laughs. All of them from Drax, though. <laughs> that seems like it would be true. Yeah, I can like believe I, that. I really do like, oh, what's his name? Baptiste? Dave Baptista. Dave Baptista. I do think he's great. He's a really good talent, and I hope we get to see more of him. Um, but that was just my overview of the whole movie. It was like, ah, it's okay. But I really do get why a lot of people like this kind of movie. This is your classic good guys fight the bad guys and got to give james gunn a lot of credit he's a really clever writer and director yeah i will say that yeah becky what do you think i really enjoyed it i liked the first one better but this one it was very good i liked the development of the relationships between everybody. And it wasn't just each person has one relationship that they're developing. Each person had multiple relationships that were explored in this movie. I just think in the first one, you really do have that fine line between are they good guys? Are they bad guys? Because they all start off as ruffians and they all have a not so reputable past and present. And then they eventually become good guys just out of the need to become good guys. And in this one, it was more, we're good guys. You know, Rocket steals some batteries, but other than that, you never question if they're good guys or bad guys or what their motives are. Their motives are always to be good, to save their friends. There's no conflict in terms of that. Other than Rocket being kind of a tool. Like, I will say yeah. that he was he was the most dickish of the group. Like, almost, you're like, wow, is he doing this on purpose? Because he's a dick. I would say I enjoyed the film. I think, again, I enjoyed it a little bit less than the first one. The family oh, yeah. stuff was a little heavy-handed. You're right. I think it was a little plot light. I enjoyed the fact that, unlike an Avengers lately and that kind of stuff, these are superheroes unabashedly being superheroes and saving the universe. There's that self-awareness that's there. Well, self-awareness, but also just we're not trying to dig into some kind of super moral ground. We don't have the heroes fighting heroes. It's just here's a bunch of superheroes saving the day. Especially in the comics the last few years, it's been all about, you know, heroes fighting heroes. Are they really being heroes? Are they really a menace? And this and that. And it's like, go out, save the world. Or galaxy. Or universe. So what you liked about it is kind of what I wasn't as much of a fan of. How so? Well, because I liked the first one in the conflict. I think the word you're looking for is ambiguity. (laughs) Yeah. Ambiguity. That's good. I don't mind the ambiguity. I think what I'm getting a little tired of, and again, this is a mix between the movies and the comics, is like Captain America Civil War. Well, we're all the good guys. Are we really doing the right thing? Or is what we're doing bad? or the characters themselves in the first Guardians were kind of ambiguous because they're the kind of the Han Solo the scoundrel kind of characters but you know it's kind of down in there and they just need to find it where I've just gotten kind of okay I've I've seen the heroes fighting each other enough times and I know that's going to be coming more in at least Infinity War and you know whatever the sequel is going to be after that I will say today's podcast brought to you by the word ambiguity (laughs) because we are struggling to try and get this one out (laughs) we are yes I see where Becky's coming from even though I didn't see the first one, but 
I, Andrew is right with this villain, even though he's not, I, I didn't find him as a fairly impressive villain. It's pretty clear you got to stop this guy from what he's doing. Otherwise, there won't be a Marvel Cinematic Universe at right. the end of <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah. Because it was just like every, everything going to be gone. Although I will say, I think Ego has probably been a better villain than we've seen the last couple of movies. You know, Zemo was kind of meh. Which one was Zemo? Civil, Civil War. War. Oh, yeah, he was pretty bad. I, I would know. put Ego probably on par with Ultron, where it's all right, this is the bad guy, and I accept that it's not any kind of special standout, but he at least fills the role well. Although, I will say, I never felt like he was acting out of malice. It wasn't like, I'm so amazing, we have to, I have to conquer the universe. It's more along the lines of, oh, everything else out of here is pretty lame. I know what I'll do. I've got a good idea. Yeah, that was the thing with Ego is just the, the whole that whole character just struck me as really weird. Even in the face of Kurt Russell's really good performance, I mean, Kurt was the man in this. Yeah, he was. That was yeah. an extremely good performance. He's great, and I'm glad to see him and some like the old Hollywood guard kind of get back into this, and they're starting to put him in these kind of like big budget movies now as either supporting characters or villains. But Ego's whole like shtick was, I went out into the universe, found life, didn't like it, wanted to make all life me, that's my purpose, but I need a boy, so we're gonna do it together. Done. You skipped a step. What was the other step? He made Captain Kirk look gay. <laughs> this man was sleeping with every alien he could find. Oh yeah. But as Kurt Russell, which I thought was really funny. Oh, yeah. Every time they show him with another alien chick. It's, it's the same. He's still, he's still Kurt he's Russell. He's still in human form. He's still in human right. form in late 70s, early 80s attire. <laughs> which yeah. I thought was really funny. It's like, so no matter where you go in the universe, chicks are going to dig Kurt Russell. I don't know that that's an incorrect assumption. No, it's I, not. I, I believe I'm, I'm, I'm certain that's like a law. Russell's law. It's like Brannigan's law. <laughs> <laughs> We always talk about old school Star Trek Captain Kirk getting with all the alien chicks. Yep. I mean, this guy put Kirk to shame. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so do you have to explain to the audience what a celestial is? Because they don't really explain it very well in in this movie. The best you get is it's a little G god. And we just finished doing Infinity Gauntlet where the celestials, I think, are mentioned a few times. You actually get a little bit of a better explanation in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, okay. Because when they find the Power Stone you get a little bit of an explanation of the Celestials then. And the fact that one of the locations is a place called Nowhere, K-N-O-W, mm -hmm. and that's in the head of a dead Celestial. Ah, okay. I also don't know that Ego's actually a... I meant to look this up, but I forgot to. I don't know if Ego's actually a Celestial. I know in the comics, he tends to be lumped in with the elders of the universe but i don't even know if that's true so i actually pulled him up on wikipedia to figure out what he was and the wikipedia page just calls him sentient planet so they may have just changed that purposes of yeah the, no uh, i think so movie. but i will say the celestials they must be little g gods because one of the things they're missing is the the all-knowing aspect because yes. as far as i could tell ego was all oblivious <laughs> he had <laughs> no idea what was going on around him oh yeah <laughs> that was pretty Pretty funny. Not until about 30 seconds left before the bomb went off. And he's like, oh, there's a bomb on me. And I had no idea. So speaking of the, the Hollywood cameos, what did you think of some of those? Right, you had Kurt Russell, you had David Hasselhoff make a quick appearance. Which I thought was great. That was hysterical. Yeah. Sly Stallone. Also great. Was he in the first one or he no? He was not. Okay. That's a good addition. Uh, Ving Rhames briefly and in Michelle, it. Yeah, and Michelle Yu 
Yep. So uh, you might be able to confirm this because I did a little extra research. Apparently, Ving Rhames, Sly Stallone, Michelle Yu, the Crystally guy, yep. and some of the others in the background are the actual original comic book Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. So right. Okay. Most of the people we consider the Guardians of the Galaxy became Guardians of the Galaxy in the 2007. I think it's 2007. Uh, Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning run of Guardians of the Galaxy. Got it. Those characters, Yondu, mm-hmm. Starhawk, the Lone's character, and then Charlie 27, who is Ving Rames, and I can't think of the Crystal character's name. But and then there was Michelle Yu. Well, Michelle Yu was a kind of a part of that group, but a later edition. Those four were oh, the original okay. Guardians. Okay, got it. I kept referring to the Crystal guy in my head as the Borax kid <laughs> from a couple episodes of Futurama. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. But those four, the original, and then there were a couple of later editions. So the original Guardians kind of just bounced around titles and showed up what kind of whenever mm-hmm. and then in the mid 80s to early 90s they had their own series and that's when some of the other characters got added in mm-hmm. i thought those cameos were, were quite nice yeah and the stan lee cameo with was the also watchers with the watchers because apparently i also didn't know this and i had to do some research that there's been this fan theory aha us doing fan theories again god that damn it Stan Lee is a watcher, and that's why he's in all these Marvel movies. Basically, James Gunn is giving a little nod to that fan theory with Stan hanging out with the Watchers. Well, not only hanging out with the Watchers, but did you hear his dialogue? Right. It was one of them. He was like, well, that time they made me a FedEx guy. Yeah. yeah. No, that was that was pretty funny. Although, admittedly, that scene when he's kind of on that little planetoid with the Watchers didn't look very good. The Watchers looked like something from an early Doctor Who. The Watchers did look weird. I'll give you that one. They were there was something a little off about them. I did love, however, when Rocket, Yondu, and Groot were jumping through. 15 is like the safe limit, right? Like, yeah. You just put it up for 700 jumps, and it was just <laughs> that, like messing them up. That sequence did make me laugh. That was pretty damn funny. Their faces are like warping and everything. Well, I like how like they did it. We left them for a while, <laughs> right. came, came back, back, and they're still going. I have to admit, that part got me. I thought that was pretty funny. So... I would just like to give a nod to the animators because, one, that sequence was just spectacular with their faces. But Baby Groot kind of stole the movie, at least for me. And I thought his animation was just so perfect and so, so adorable that you can't help but love him. Speaking of which, I just you made me think, do we know if Vin Diesel mo-capped him? I don't think he mo-capped him for this one. I know he did for the first one. Okay. Yeah, I don't know either. Did but Vin Diesel someone... do it for the first? I know mo-cap was used. Oh, no, yeah, Vin, yeah, Vin Diesel did mo-cap for the first one. Oh, I didn't know it, it was really him in the suit. if he did it for this one. Someone was telling me that uh, this is all hearsay because it was like information I gathered waiting on the line at the men's room in the theater. It's Vin Diesel's voice as Baby Groot, but apparently he's not modulated at all. Like he could, he can kind of produce that sound, that kind of pitch already. That'd be pretty impressive because Vin Diesel's got a fairly deep voice. Yeah, he does. That's just men's room, you know, line going to the men's room to gossip. Yeah, but if you can't rely on that for information, then what can you oh, rely on? Oh, that's where on? I get most of my news. <laughs> that explains a lot about you. <laughs> I didn't like baby some of the the part where they try to get yondu's new fin <laughs> i was gonna ask you about that that part i actually he, i enjoyed oh I, I immediately went back to walter and the big let's go you want a toe i can get you a toe. it's really not that hard to get a toe and baby group just proved it 20 years later comes back with the toes like do you guys have a drawer that has a bunch of human toes like no well let, we're not gonna talk about yeah, that let, let's go ahead and agree to never speak of this again and then he brings the whole desk <laughs> yeah I loved that sequence. I thought it went a little too long. There was just one too many gags on that one. There might have been, although at the end... But it was 
at the end when they start start talking about the hat. Yeah. Do you really need is this a, is this a necessary conversation you need to have right now? Like that, yeah. I thought that part was funny. The movie did feel like it was a little long. I remember when they're hanging out on Ego's planet and there's there's like a lull and really nothing's going on and just the characters are just kind of arguing with each other because that was kind of the sequence in the movie was like action sequence, characters have a heart to heart fight. Action sequence, argument. Action sequence, another argument. There's a segment somewhere towards the last third of the film. It did start to drag just a little bit. You could have chopped up maybe 15, 20 minutes off and you still would have had a decent movie. I'll buy that. I would actually say the beginning was weird. Just the flow of the beginning of the film. Like the title sequence? No, not the, not so much the title sequence. Going a little bit further than that, basically till they met up with Ego, mm-hmm. I had a hard time figuring out going, okay, where's the movie going from here? I couldn't figure out what the direction was. Eventually it found its way and I was like, all right, that's fine. It works. But for a little bit, I was just, I don't know quite where we're going here. On that note, what are your thoughts on the sovereign people and, and the high priestess and their role in this movie? I think in general, their role is, was set up. Yeah, Although, did you catch the Ben Broder cameo? Ben Broder. He was the guy the, the fighter pilot guy yeah he was the the sovereign admiral i did catch him but i don't why is he significant no i just i know you're you were a farscape fan oh it didn't hit me you know who did strike me was the woman who played the priestess i was looking at her most of the movie going where do i know this woman from and then i realized she was the villain from man from uncle oh okay i really she's... liked her performance and i also i liked how her appearance got more and more disheveled and like she had the tight bun in the headdress originally and by the end of the movie her hair is just down symbolizing her decline in general i think they were put in that movie to basically set up the introduction of adam warlock right that's basically it i was surprised they stuck around in the movie as long as they did because they come back towards the end and you're like what are we doing with these again the reason why they're still here is because they have to hate the guardians so much we need to make adam yeah i was a little surprised they showed up at the end too so since it's kind of the major theme of the movie, what did you feel about the family? Really beat you over the head with. Basically, I wrote down in my notes, blood family, bad. A family acquaintance, good. Because basically, Ego and Thanos, anyone who was blood related, they didn't like whoever they were related to. But if it was the Guardians, they called themselves a family, even though they're just clearly different species and different people all coming together. They make their own family. And that was kind of the big theme. And the other thing I walk away with, and I had told you about this after I saw it on Thursday, is there's just something about Marvel where they do not like dads. Dads in Marvel's, particularly Marvel movies, really kind of suck. I mean, I was going to say, you know, since DC has mommy issues, then I guess Marvel has to have daddy issues. I guess. I don't, I don't know enough about DC to say. I will correct it a little bit that Thanos, Gamora, and Nebula, are none of them are blood relations. I thought Nebula was his granddaughter. That's a claim that she makes in the comics. Oh, okay. It's not true. She's basically running her mouth to build her street cred. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know that. Uh, first thing I was like, where did you get that from? I was like, oh, right, we talked Infinity Gauntlet. That was kind of a big deal in that book. Yeah. I would say the yeah, the family thing, I have no problem with the, the family theme. I think they were just a little, like, club you over the head with it. I didn't mind it. I didn't find it as heavy-handed, and that just maybe because of my personal feelings about family at the moment. But one of my favorite sequences was when Nebula comes to Ego's planet and the fight between Nebula and Gamora. I loved that there was no music during that sequence it was just the fight just the raw emotion and power of these two who were raised as sisters just 
going at it. And then they both save each other, but they both still have a lot of resentment. Normally, I like to have music because it enhances the emotion of a scene. But in that scene, I felt it was perfect that you didn't hear anything. And as (laughs) Dude and I discussed during the Civil War podcast, women never get beat up in Marvel movies. But here they are in this one just going they both get injured now neither one of them got shot despite how many lasers and gunshots were going off neither one of them got shot but they both got beat up pretty badly by one another and so there you go we have our our women getting beat up in a fight sequence i like just how nuts nebula went take a couple uh, strafing runs and then just crash the fucking ship at her go full throttle and see if i can run, run over i agree you know the, the fight sequence was pretty cool and i and i didn't notice it didn't have music but you're right i like it better when they don't have music there's a great kurosawa film called ron there's a sequence in the movie where it's slow motion and music all going and there's like guys fighting and there's no sound except the music and then one character gets like shot in the back and the music goes away and it's all battle sound yeah. immediately after that. And another good example is something like that. I think it was Return of the King, where there's, uh, what's his name's, Boromir's brother, Faramir, like charging into the horde. And there's all music. It's just, I think it's Pippin singing. And then the orcs let go their arrows. And, and the all you hear is the boat's wings. Yeah. Yep. There's stuff like that is always really cool. So I didn't pick up on it at the time, but that's a good catch. So it's interesting. We went to see the Virginia Symphony Orchestra play music from Star Wars on Thursday. May the 4th. Right. And one of the things the conductor talked about is really good composers, especially for film, know when to not play music. Right. So that's a good point. Well, what did you think about the music in this one as opposed to the music in the first one? Obviously, dude hasn't seen the first one. I liked the first soundtrack better. I did too. I really liked the Sam Cooke because I'm a huge fan of Sam Cooke. Bring Your Sweet uh, Love and Home to Me. There's a live version of him, of him doing that at the Harlem Club in Miami. It's it's a fantastic listen if you get a hold of it. But for the most part, it uh, the soundtrack in this one kind of felt a little too music video-ish, like the, the way it was all kind of cut together. The other one I liked, Stevie Nicks. What's, what band was she from? Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, the Fleetwood Mac bit. I liked that. That was mm-hmm. about the only other one that I was like, yeah. I was thinking through the movie that, okay, we had his first tape was the soundtrack to the first movie, and now his volume two is the soundtrack to volume two. I was like, okay, well, these keep getting destroyed, or they keep getting used up. I was like, well, what are you going to use in the future? And then Craglin hands him a Zune, and I was like, okay, here we go again. You got to kind of love the product placement of both Dairy Queen and Zune in this, <laughs> in this out of nowhere. Here's a Zune! And like that. The whole screen is full of him holding Zune. And I was like, okay, we get it. I'm going to go buy a Zune now. Yeah, at the same time, though, yeah, everyone on Earth's using that. <laughs> That's a good point. No, we're not. no one on yep. Earth is using <laughs> I think I know one person who owns one. Are you going to call them out on the podcast? I am not. They know who they are. <laughs> you know <laughs> who you are. And the, only, the only reason they really liked it is because for at least the model they had also had a radio tuner on it. Ah. See, I'd get it if it had a radio tuner on That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. So, I mean, regardless of what we think about the movie, it's doing really well. Yeah. Every, usually when a movie does this well, our opinion about it tend to matter less you know becky and i seem to be in agreement with the majority of people and i think you even said it. it's not your cup of tea but you can understand why people like it yeah like my audience had a lot of positive reactions to the movie they were really into it from beginning to end even towards like the end where i was just kind of just getting tired of the whole thing and ready to be done the audience was with it from beginning to end and there were some really big laughs 
in this film. Not not to me, but to my audience. They like bounced out of their seat for it. It's looking to bring in about 145 million in domestically this weekend, which is about 50 million more than the first Guardians did. So the first Guardians was first week of August. This being early May here, I was actually looking at what movies are coming out. Mm-hmm. There's a distinct possibility that this is going to be the top of the box office for three straight weeks. That There's nothing big coming out next week, and then mm-hmm. Alien Covenants the weekend after, and yeah, that's been getting mixed reviews. Yeah, depending on what the drop off for Guardians is, right? I think it has a decent chance of beating Alien. Covenants. Covenant. And then it's the next yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean movie the weekend after that. While I, I think it. Guardians is going to have been a better movie than Pirates 5. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think four weeks in, it's just the box office is going to be low enough that even if Pirates has a disappointing showing of like 50 million, it'll still be enough to take the top spot. Yeah, I think so too, because May 12th, the next big one is going to be King Arthur. Oh, that, yeah, and, that's right. and that's gonna that's gonna tank like a motherfucker. Yeah, I don't think anyone has high hopes for that. And then May nineteenth will be Covenant, Alien Covenant, and I, and horror movies like that tend not to do very big. And then May twenty sixth is where you could see a couple movies split off the uh, the take because, like you said, it'll be out for a couple weeks by that point, uh, three four weeks by that point. Audiences will have Pirates of the Caribbean and Baywatch. And comedies tend to do pretty well. Yeah, I will laugh but. really hard if Baywatch takes that weekend. <laughs> Me too. Personally, that I'll w- see Baywatch before I see Pirates of the Caribbean. Agreed. I think even I would see Baywatch before I see Pirates, and I'm a huge Pirates fan and Disney fan. But at some point, you have to call it quits, guys. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm really kind of hoping for a disappointing box office so they stop making them. Yeah, that's that's. They should have sure. stopped at three. Yeah, they needed to. I don't stop even at think three. I. Ma- I don't even think I saw the fourth one. I don't think I saw I... the third one. Third one was okay. I I thought the third one was a good ending to the series, and then then they decided to go back and make a fourth one, <laughs> and the fourth one was fine. But now, okay, <laughs> we're done. Johnny Depp needs to like come up with new characters to play. Oh yeah, the problem is when he does, they don't do very well. The Lone Rangers, Tonto. He needs to stop working for Disney. That was what that. Well, he needs to do a character once and then leave it alone. Sure. The Alice in Wonderland. I liked the first one. I never went and saw the one that came out last year i think the through the looking glass i think it was we did that was fairly pedestrian i I mean at at this at this point disney's not really working for him yeah it's true uh, yeah, you had Lone Ranger, you had Alice in Wonderland, and now you've got Pirates 5 that's probably not going to do well. He needs to kind of stop doing Tim Burton. Yeah, no, I was about to say, you, yeah. your initial reaction is like, oh, go back to doing Tim Burton. Oh, wait, no. that hadn't worked out for you well recently either. No, I was I was going to say, I mean, go back to stuff like Fear and Loathing and like Cry Babe. I mean, like legit dramatic roles. Yeah, go back to being weird, Johnny Depp. That's what we need you to do. I mean, like, like legit weird, not yeah. mainstream weird. Two very different types of weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? Did we go over the post-credit stuff? No, we didn't. There's right. like some of the like there was like there five, five. Them, and some of them were fairly pedestrian. Teenage Groot or it was so cute. <laughs> Stanley being left behind by the Watchers, and then you had the Adam Warlock reveal. Yep. And then the original Guardians getting together. Yep. And then I'm trying to think what else I'm missing. Oh, that's four. Drax getting shot with the arrow. Yes. Drax getting shot with the arrow, which was just kind of a gag. It was, it was a gag, funny. but it was actually funny. Cause... It was. Again, yeah. I think Drax was really the, the hero of this film comedically. Uh, actually, you know, what did you think of Mantis? Oh, yeah, we haven't talked about her. She, I don't, just did nothing for me. I kind of found her as a non-entity. And then like, that sequence where she she's useful for one scene where she puts Ego back to sleep in the planet's core. It was exactly like that. It was just really, we just thought it was really weird. She just didn't do it for me. Yeah, I was hoping for a little bit more out of Mantis. Yeah, although I, I really liked her 
interactions with Drax and the two of them both socially inept and not understanding each other and trying to develop a friendship with two people who are just not socially adept yeah adept yes mm-hmm. that part yeah, yeah the interaction was but yeah I was hoping for a little bit more from Mantis but what is her story comic book wise because I've never heard of her before it's fairly convoluted although it, it actually tends to relate back to Thanos in the comics she is raised or no I'm sorry I'm mixing up two characters and there's a reason for that so she is the celestial madonna is the short answer she was involved with guardians of the galaxy and like in the abnet and landing run i was mixing her up with a character named moon dragon who was actually raised by thanos's father to become the celestial madonna and didn't so that's where that mix-up came from i mean mantis is an interesting character in the comics just i have not dug too deeply into her into mm-hmm. her origins yeah i don't know what more you can say about her it was just she was just kind of there for one sequence and that was the end of it yeah i mean i did think yondu's kind of redemption was kind of cool i liked that character i like that actor michael like Rooker. He's, the first movie i ever saw him in was henry portrait of serial killer which was actually his first film uh-huh. I, I just as i recently come to find out but he's always been like those background character actors it was good to kind of see him take a much more visible role yeah I, I i did like him and i kind of liked that one of the characters didn't survive one of our main heroes didn't survive because you know they go through all of this turmoil and fighting and everything in every movie and yet somehow everybody survives just you're like oh they're the good guys they're gonna win they're gonna live and mm-hmm. this wasn't a joss whedon movie but we still had somebody who was a main character die does joss whedon really have a reputation for killing off big characters like this is, is yes. am i missing something does no, he really he okay. really does okay he kills, he like... kills off a bunch of characters in buffy he kills off um wash and firefly he kills off Cole and Avengers. No, he actually, he does. Yeah, they're like, Coulson and Avengers, was that, did people really get heartbroken over that one? Because I yes. hated that guy. No, oh, really? most people love that, char- love that character. Do they really? Is that something I'm just missing? Yes. <laughs> He's, I, I was like really glad to see him go. And in Avengers 2, it's Quicksilver, who I didn't think anyone cared about. People care about him too? He's just... Not as much. No, but oh. he's he's a very prominent character in the books. So to just have him in that one movie and then kill him off, I think that was more surprising. Not as oh, much okay. that people had an emotional connection to him in that movie, but just you expect more out of him in the cinematic universe. And who knows? Also, I think everyone was expecting Hawkeye to die in, in, this, in Age of Ultron. Really? Okay. I wasn't. I was like, oh, he's a family man. He'll be around for a while. All right, so, Becky, what have you been into? Oh, goodness. My whole life revolves around <laughs> what's going to happen in the next 11 weeks. I am finally caught up with Bob's Burgers and Archer, so that's great. Oh, you uh, reminded me. I have to start doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> I got as far as season two, and I forgot. For which one? Archer. Archer, okay. yeah. Yeah, doing the exact same thing you are, and I completely forgot about it. I had started a couple weeks ago trying to get into Game of Thrones. I know, take my nerd card away, but I've never been able to get into to that show I'd seen season one so I went back to season two and started watching it and then I forgot about it mm-hmm. just haven't haven't really gotten back into it I did start this morning watching uh the new mystery science theater on Netflix is that any good I was never really that big into the original so yeah, I was that it, that that show defined my childhood so I've been very frightened to go back and watching it it's not bad but it's not amazing okay yeah I don't I can't compare it to the original because I only saw that in snippets every once mm. in a while. So, dude, what about you? I have been, like, juiced about Dunkirk because the new trailer came out in front of Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was super pumped when that was playing, and I was 
surprised they played it in front of it. That's got me. Uh, I watched a bunch of documentaries. I finished this one series called Hot Girls Wanted Turned On, which was a six-part series on Netflix based on the documentary from like 2015 of the same name, which is called Hot Girls Wanted. Yeah. And this one, the first one was about amateur women in the adult industry. And the series is kind of split into two halves. It's about the adult industry. And then the other half or three of those episodes are kind of about how technology has affected things like human interaction, dating, and even crime. So three of the episodes are actually quite interesting. Three of the episodes weren't. Then I watched another documentary called Bigger, Stronger, Faster, which was about steroid use. And another one by the same director called uh, Prescription Thugs, which is also about like steroid use, but also like other prescription drugs. And and last night, Baruch and I finally got to play Commands and Colors in Napoleonic's The Battle of Austerlitz. Yeah. And that it took 40 minutes to set it up, took two hours to play, and I still won as the French. That was super awesome. That's like a Warhammer game. Yeah, but here's what's funny. So we played that and in a game of Conan the board game while the table next to us was still on the on one game of Age of Sigmar. So we still nice. like did it in better time than the Games Workshop guy. We were pretty pumped about it. But the number of box sets it took just to play the Battle of Austerlitz was intense because you needed the core set, you needed the Austrian expansion, the Russian expansion, the Tactician expansion, and the Epics expansion just to play that one battle. Nice. So it was super worth it to finally get it done. It was very satisfying, I should say, to get it done because I have I've had those boxes sitting around for a couple months. And well, you're you've like, been, I really, you've been I really talking about wanting to play that since before my wedding. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because they. I think I forgot to tell you, like they delayed putting the sixth expansion out by six months. So you, I. Didn't you had told me. It. You have told me. I don't think you mentioned it on the show. Yeah, I had pre-ordered it early 2016. It was supposed to show up right after your wedding. So like when I told you, like I'm expecting it, and then it got delayed till the end of the year, and then I had it, but it took four months to finally set up and do. Right. So this was incredibly satisfying. Finally, get it done. Nice. Yes. Hey, speaking of trailers did you see the new trailer for valerian i did i liked it i'm glad you mentioned it. i liked it way better than the first couple of trailers yeah i liked it way better the first couple of trailers were kind of like oh this is weird it's going to turn the audiences off but putting valerian in front of guardians of the galaxy because valerian kind of had a guardians of the galaxy look yep um and i and i will trust luke besson to give me that kind of movie i'm a little more optimistic about valerian now than i was let's say three four weeks ago yeah i mean i'm hopeful because some things he puts out are amazing like fifth element Yep. And then he puts out things like Lucy, and I want to throw things at him for it. You're scratching your head, but then again, Lucy, you know, did really well. So it's like, Ugh. Scarlett Johansson. It's hard to do badly with her. Although Ghost in the Shell yes. is still managing to do badly. Still doing badly, but bodysuit. Yeah. Bodysuit. So oh, let's see, what, what have I been to do? Uh, last weekend, finally finished the, the reading list for the panel. That is 195 issues total. That's good. And I have a time for the panel now. So the panel is on Saturday at 12 o'clock in room 4C and 4D. So if you're at Tidewater Comic Con, Saturday, the May 13th. 13th. Who is recording that? Me and Kyle. <laughs> awesome. This could be interesting. Yes. I mean, <laughs> it will be interesting. What kind of interesting to be To, to be, be fair, I'm doing the talking. I'm going to have Kyle standing behind my camera running that. Right. Also passing out raffle tickets so is it just you doing the presentation or do you have moderator no it is just me doing the presentation so if you want to see a test of his public speaking skills <laughs> come to tidewater comic-con where i can we can see how many times i can not say fuck <laughs> This will be good. Oh, good luck. Right, because, again, some assembly required, I try and keep a family-friendly podcast, so it's not easy. Tell you what. No, I, I, we, I know. It's not easy. <laughs> so, 
So I've got that going on. Like, so we went and saw the Virginia Symphony Orchestra this past week. Yep. Uh, we had a childbirthing class two nights this week. Woohoo! You had birth and they put it back in. It's like, all right, <laughs> you're just practicing. If you want to know anything about the cervix and the uterus, we can tell you. <laughs> I don't Notice how he's not asking any I know, questions. I, I don't think I've ever seen dude look that uncomfortable. <laughs> no, no, oh scratch gosh. that. I have. There was the time with the playmate. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was, I was trying to come up with a joke because I was like, all my concerns about the vagina are on the front end, not the back <laughs> end. Nice. Say. I don't know if I mentioned I finished season two of Star Wars Rebels, and that's been pretty good. At some point in the not-too-distant future, I'll pick up season three once I get a little bit of spare time after this week's over. And, and I've been I playing have, a, a Star Trek mobile game that's been fun. I did watch ten minutes of Handmaiden's Tale, and I do want to watch more of it. I, it looks pretty cool. I started it, and I started it three times, and and at the exact same point, two minutes in, it just kept stopping and oh, restarting. Like yeah, oh, wow. and and so I was like, well. I guess I'm not going to watch it. I've been interested in, and I've watched a few episodes, but not entirely of this show called Harlots. It's like about 18th century brothels. And that's not been bad. That's actually been pretty good, the parts that I've seen. I've watched like a few full episodes, and then I take it in snippets because the girl will have it on in the background, and I'll be playing like Total War Napoleonics, and I'll turn around and I'll watch yeah. the good stuff. Check out the, the Harlots. <laughs> Only the good parts. Right. The other thing I did is I finished... I had an audio book I was listening to. I was listening to um, Guns of August. Which is about oh, the, the first month. No, 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 no. It's not Hemingway? Not Hemingway. Guns of August is about the first month of World War One. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember. It's a female writer, and I can't think of her name suddenly. Oh, I, okay. I mean, I've heard of that. I thought that was Hemingway, but never mind. Yeah. You know, I'm getting mixed up with something else. It's very, very good. It's... One of the mo- more well-known histories of of that first month of World War One. Yeah, I, the name sounds familiar. Is it an older book? It's hard for me to tell. I want to say it's the 1960s. There's a foreword by the author, and the foreword makes it sound like it was the 1940s. Mm. But I think it was based on the um, the copyright dates. I think it was the 60s. Okay. Yeah, I know the name. I would just get maybe I'm just getting mixed up with authors and books. Then. Yeah. But I've, I, that's it's, definitely been a well-known name. Yeah, it's very good. I'm listening to. I'm actually listening to it again because there were some parts where I spaced out. Sure. And in a history book, that, that gets a little rough. That happens. All right, folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head on over to thereforegeek.com. You can check out our blog posts and our podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. <laughs> so once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Becky. I'm the dude. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek. Okay, let me take a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was doing really well there. Yeah, you were. Uh, <laughs> I w- but, I, I'm suddenly, like, really sad I didn't screen cap that. <laughs> I don't know how much you're going to edit out of that, like, whole, like, breakdown, but people just have to understand that my girlfriend came walking through the room with the cat on her, on back. her back. And just not coming yep. off. And she's trying to straighten up. Yeah, she's trying to straighten up the house. Yeah, that, that was good.